Great. Hi. You will talk to me tonight, won't you? You won't go funny, will you? Uh, um, so last week, uh, Tim, some music I'm hearing. It's the angels. It's okay. If you're bored, just let your music flow around you, okay? But uh, last week, Tim, uh, we're just kind of having this whole uh, four weeks or whatever it is devoted to the recovery of your personal identity in Jesus because it's the absolute key to everything else. And so when Tim was introducing it so well last week, he just kind of laid out the whole canvas of identity theft and God's desire to give it back to us. And so each week there's a kind of an aspect of identity we want to just touch in on. But will you pray with me that the Holy Spirit does some profound uh, work of change in our hearts because without that it's just more information. How many of you would like your heart changed here? Anybody else on my side? Ever since the year began, I've been saying, God, you have to change me. You know, like, do you ever get that cry? I don't like staying as I am. Um, I think it's the greatest thing to tell him. They're going, oh, of course I will. Uh, so tonight is all about, it kind of sounds great. It, 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 the actual title is Justified Forever, Never Again Condemned. How many of you think that's okay, that one? Isn't it? justified forever, whatever that means, never again condemned. So that's what we're going to hammer in for a minute. Uh, I, I was reading last week about the, the number of people on death row uh, in jails in, in, in America. The, the stories of those who've had a pardon, and the pardons come almost a couple of hours before the sentence was about to be commuted. Uh, you know, what is it commuted? When it happens. Executed. That's it. That's the one. Sorry, um, but do, do you know? You know those kind of stories. They're stunning. And my mind was turning around with the possibility: Can you imagine? You've waited for years on death row, knowing it's coming pretty soon. It's coming pretty soon, and you live on the edge of this appalling end to your life. And suddenly, there's a knock on your cell door, and some kind of official from the king is there to tell you that you've been pardoned and you're within a couple of hours of having your whole life ended. And actually there was a story literally in the States last week of two hours beforehand that came through. And can you imagine for a moment what would happen inside you? You'd kind of, I don't know what you'd happen, but presumably you just explode with this extraordinary deliverance to make you free to live again. I guess your whole, I don't know how long it would take, I don't know how many days you'd go through before you kind of, really, am I free? Um, but I was toying with this crazy idea, because I do, supposing that ambassador official came to your cell and not only said, by the way, you've received a pardon from the death sentence, but then as you were stunned by this and sort of getting up and thinking, I'm free? He said, oh, the other thing is this. Um, we've been researching your records because you have a criminal, you know, your criminal records. We've been researching your records and the most extraordinary things happened. We've actually found out that you're, you're, you're actually part of the royal family in this nation and nobody knew about it. You actually belong in the king's family. And, and I don't know whether you... So can you please come out of the cell quick? There's a car waiting outside. We have to get moving pretty quick. Well, I think that would be too much for a human being, wouldn't it? I mean, you just got to lose all your marbles, wouldn't you? A, you've gone free from the death sentence, but you've just been told the king actually wants you back 
because you belong in his family. And he's, he's planned a whole kind of reception to have you brought back into the family. So could you get your dirty old clothes off quickly? Because we've got to get you going to get you back to the king. I, I don't think any human being could cope with that. I just think it would be too much. What? You can't, what? what? Wait, 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 wait. Say it again. Tell me one more time. <gasps> well, I, I just told you, but can you be? No, tell me again. What happened? Why? Because you've lived under a death sentence for so long. Your whole life has diminished to the smallest fraction of will I survive or not? Uh, there's no way I can find an analogy for the stunning gain of the cross of Jesus Christ for every one of us to give us back our true identity. I can't find any analogy that gets near. How many of you know the cross of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of the whole of history? Come on, isn't it? It's the centerpiece. Half the history books don't mention it. But actually in history, in God's drama, beginning to end, there stands the cross of Jesus Christ as the centerpiece of the whole of history. If we lose the power of the cross in our journey, we lose the certainty of what he wants to give back to us when it's been stolen. And so there's this magnificent cross of Jesus Christ where Paul says this. He says, well, to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. But listen, I'm sorry, I, I'll try not to get excited because I'll lose my voice. But he says this, he says, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Which sounds like it's not just a historical fact. It sounds like for those who follow Jesus, it's got a, kind of got this now effect of restoring powerfully to me what was gained on the cross every step of my journey. That kind of helps me feel pretty sure about what I'm meant to gain. Can I suggest, is this okay about the cross? You're okay, stay with me. Okay, please. Okay, listen, because I think the stunning thing is the three words uttered by Jesus Christ, the King of love, when on the cross, the three words are this. It, go on, stay with me, is finished. Finishato in Italian. It's finished. Why is that stunning? Because when Jesus said it is finished, he means I have now paid for every single human need ever felt throughout humanity until I return again. It's all been paid for. There isn't a single need of a human being to be restored and put back together that I haven't now done on the cross. Now I'm saying, in other words, it is completely complete. Do you understand why that's important? Because if I base my journey on my feelings or the bigness of my problem or how much bad stuff has happened, I actually take my eyes off the very prize of what Jesus Christ died for me for. It is, it is for those who are being saved, the power of God. So, does that mean in the room here tonight? So am I, am I being a bit... Does that, does that mean here the power of God is at work because the cross is always shining goodness back into our lives where we got robbed? Does that mean there's any identity where we were really robbed, and many of us were, which he hasn't already paid for, and it's simply a question of me beginning to understand what he did so I can receive the gain of it back into my own personal journey? It is completely complete. 
The problem in my own life, and I, you, you all look very together, but the problem in my own life is that I found once I'd accepted Jesus, in a weird way as this amazing forgiveness, I began a strange mixture of a journey in my life where I always felt I needed to work a little bit harder to gain his full approval. And yet Jesus had already done it. But I felt I had to help him in some way. Like, that couldn't have been that simple, Jesus. I've made a real mess of it. Let me try quite hard to make sure I do my bit so I can have this wonderful relationship you promised I could have. Because I don't think I can have it until I do my bit. And I started a very weird, in fact, I'm shocked looking back on it, and I'm not even sure I'm there yet, but I'm shocked at how hard I've worked in my Christian life to gain his full approval and affection, but never found it came, however hard I worked. Why? Because there's a hiding to nothing. Did you understand? Is this making sense? Anybody else do this? I mean, I mean, there are a lot of, lot of Christian ought-tos that cluster eagerly around you to tell you how badly you're failing because all ought-tos allow you to fail consistently. And so I found my whole journey was racked with this sense of, Paul, if only you'd get it together, man. For crying out loud, can't you see how a Christian's meant to live? Why don't you try harder? He sets himself low standards that he significantly fails to achieve. It was one of my reports. Anyways, that's... But you know what I mean? It's like that kind of sense of, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to pray even harder. I'll tell you what, I'll get up earlier. I'll, um, um, I'll, I'll put myself on a serving rotor or uh, uh, I'll try and be better inside. Or whatever it was, my whole life was clustered with a set of ought-tos that I consistently worked hard at because deep inside I thought, I've made such a mess of things. It can't just be the cross. Come on, there's more to it than the cross. There's more to it than the blood of Jesus. I had no idea what I was negating by working hard to try and earn his approval. I still do. At times, when I forget the whole basis of his love and his power. I still start a little, little round of religious duty, hoping that somehow he'll be pleased. <laughs> he'll kind of be happier that I've really tried hard and I've cracked this prayer. Oh dear, something's cracking. I've cracked this prayer. I've, I've sort of, you know, I've read at least four chapters of Leviticus. Yay, I'm in. And you get this weird sense of how am I doing in the game? How am I getting on, you know? Hmm, oh, oh, blow. Tim's a great worshiper. Oh, I, I, you kind of like this awful sense of ought to's keep bouncing back on you. I know we laugh, but frankly, half the body of Christ is haunted by constant senses. If only you would do better, he'd be pleased. Isn't it? You know what I want to do tonight? Well, I actually want to get us all out here and pray for a burst of freedom to rock our boats. Maybe nobody's going to want that now. <coughs> do, do, do you get me? Because the whole of the New Testament is saying, stop your works. It was paid for. The whole deal is astonishing. It's more astonishing than my analogy of the prison, isn't it? The king has called for you. 
And so what happened in my own life, which I think I'm escaping from, is that all my efforts that kept going led to this deep down feeling, Paul, you can't get it together. And you know what? He's probably pretty disappointed with you, Paul. He's probably disappointed with you because you never get it together. And you know what that leads to? That leads to this thing. I'm amazed you found that song. I had it all day and I didn't know how to ask for it. Boldly I approached the throne. That's a fab one, isn't it? That's a, I literally went try to find it. Okay. Um, what was I talking about? I know what it leads to condemnation. This whole lifestyle of thinking, God, how do I get it together? How can I kind of be a better Christian? How can I, I don't know, you know, what do I, if only I could get it together. But because I can't, gradually condemnation settles like a blanket around your inner life and you forever feel slightly, I never seem to make the grade, which is what condemnation's like. You never, you never, Oh, I just can't seem to, I can't make the bar in this Christian life. It's just so difficult. And look at them, and you read that testament, you read that story, and you read about them, and you look at them, and you look at them, and you think, bummer. Bummer. I'm sorry, is that okay biblically? <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically a Greek-formed word, okay? But, but you do, you do, don't you? That's why the Bible's filled with this sound of no condemnation now I dread. What? Why? Because condemnation gradually finds its clothing around you and settles on you as an ongoing sound. Where if you listen to yourself talk, for instance, that's always a register of what's going on inside, isn't it? Did you know what I mean by self-talk? The inner sound of what you say to yourself. Why can't you ever pull it together spiritually? Why, you know, what, what's wrong with you? Condemned. And I love this passage. I'm, I'm jumping ever. I've lost my notes. But I, I love this passage in Zechariah, don't you, where Joshua is standing there before an angel, which is a little bit bizarre, but anyway, won't, there's lots of passages that are bizarre. He's in heaven and he's standing before an angel. Do, do you know that bit that um, Jonathan read out? And he's, <coughs> and, on his right side, Satan's there. I don't get theology, do you? What's Satan doing in heaven, Mark? Can you help me, please? You he's like, Satan's here, like, and he's before the angel. I think, what did you, how did you get in, Satan? And it says, Satan is accusing him at the right hand. Listen to me, please listen to me. This is very powerfully important. Who has, who has the ultimate voice in your heart? What's your self-talk? Is it, wow, you little, why won't you ever, or why don't you go and do that course? It's an undermining charge against you, and every charge against you will stick because you know your own failings. Yep, that's true. Yep, yep, I haven't read my Bible for a week. Yep, that's true. Oh, yep, yep, lost my temper last week. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, look at it. We'll read it in a minute. Thank you, Peter, whoever it was. Can you stay with me? That's condemnation. And in the end, you sort of bow down to it. It's the clothing you wear. And your deep down conclusion is, 
God is pretty disappointed with me. He's, he, he, only you try harder, Paul. I think we should banish ought to's from the body of Christ. Don't you? Should do, ought to. All the other family of ought to's, should do's, whatever. They're a pain, aren't they? But you know what? The power of religion to stop someone feeling absolutely worthy to receive this profound love and affection of a deep, how can I put it, the best father you could ever, ever have shine his face on you. You know what condemnation does? It's like a veil that comes between you and your confident capacity to receive his love and his affection. Because all the time these charges are sticking all around you like that. And I'll tell you what, they come from you. They come from others. And they come from Satan, the accuser. Who we don't want to give an attention to except to be wise, don't we? I mean, the Bible says he accuses us day and night. That's a fairly busy jobby, isn't it? Kind of day and night, you know, jung, 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 go to sleep, jung, 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 jung. Now, I don't understand how it works, but I'm serious. That stuff stinks because it begins to give you a false identity. Failed, condemned. Do you understand? This is a battle for who you really are between hell and heaven. Forgive me being dramatic, but it's true. How many of you would like to recover your full, glorious identity as an image bearer? Anybody else want to join me? <coughs> hmm. So right in the middle of all that horrible condemning of you and making you feel small comes this great shout of heaven. I forgot what time I started. Rubbish. About 10 minutes ago, wasn't it? Okay. Comes a great shout of heaven. I'm going to get to the end. It really is the most stupendous shout. And it's in the book of Romans. And what happens is, Paul, I don't want to get excited, but Paul, step by step in Romans, just avalanches these glorious salvation truths, one upon another, upon another, upon another. Romans 3, 4, 5, 6. Not 7, I don't get 7. But then 8. Verse 1 is this stunner. You all know it, don't you? You good Bible verse learning people. Therefore, say therefore. therefore. This is always there for because there's a, re there's a reason why it's therefore. This is the climax of all he's been building up. Therefore, there is now, come on, no. condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah, good one for the fridge. No, it's a good one for my heart. It's meant to set me free from the terror of this earth, which is you are condemned to be small when God called you to be lifted up again in his king's family. He delivered us from death, all the sentences of death, but he delivered us so he could have us back in his family. It's a stunner. So, hmm. Therefore, there is now. When's now? When else is now? Now. All the nows. Do you understand? I, I don't know how to communicate it. It's over. As far as condemnation goes, it's finished. It's had it. It's out of court. It doesn't belong to you now and forevermore. 
Why? The power of the cross. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ. His passionate, deep love. James? Good. His passionate, deep love to swoop up and take everything that's messed James's life, his identity, take it in upon himself and say, one day I want James free to be the son I've made him to be. And so this thing of no condemnation, then we, we, we haven't got time, but uh, Romans 8, 33 says this. <laughs> One of the things I don't do is prepare. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Listen, this is, this is the centerpiece of the ultimate climax of Romans. Paul is pouring out the conclusions. Who... This isn't like, hey, anybody got a charge around here against James? Um, anybody want to bring a charge? We've got the court open. No, this is a kind of passionate God who's saying, anybody want to kind bring a charge against my son? I've justified him. It's like there's a, there's a challenge from heaven. Who dares bring a charge against my son James? Anybody want to try? You know, I feel like you want to try. It's like we're back in Zechariah, aren't we? Where, you know, the, the, um, the, the Satan's accusing you. And God says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. I mean, this is drama, isn't it? This is the God of all heaven and earth. With a sneaky little accuser coming. I'm saying, how dare you? Isn't this a stick of fire snatched? This is a, um, this is a. You know, this is someone who was in sin and was heading for hell, but he got snatched out so he would not burn there so he could be mine. Now take his dirty clothes off. So, so Paul's saying, anybody want to try, you have a go. But let me tell you, my full, wrathful, you know, will come at you because don't you dare try and charge those I've justified. And so we get into this word justification because I'm looking at the clock and you have to be fast here. Justification, say justification. Oh, isn't it one of those words you go, man, it's like congestion or something, isn't it? It's, it, it's like one of those words you just go, yeah, yeah, very good, very good, nice word. Yeah, I love those words. I, let me just say very clearly, could we go to Romans 3? I know I'm jumping, bear with me. Romans 3 says this. <laughs> No, if we just go, thank you so much. Uh, can you go a bit further? Down to tw uh, 20, whatever I said. Perhaps I didn't. No, I got it all wrong. It's a good verse. Do you know, um, verse 18, I think, or is it? Oh, look at it. But now, say now. Apart from the law, so that's where you have to get it right for relationship, Okay. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. They agree with it. The right, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Hmm. All who try harder. No, all who believe. Why? There is no difference between a Jew and a Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. I mean, I know this sounds like a bit of theology on a Sunday night, but trust me, this is explosive stuff to recover the identity of who you really are in Christ. 
through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So this word justified, justified forever, what does it mean? Shout it out to me because you're all pretty clever here. What does it mean? I knew one of you was going to do that one. Just as if I never sinned. Well, yes. <laughs> it's the one we all remember. I mean, it's very simple. It means in his sight, in his sight, you're absolutely clean for the closest of friendships with him. In his sight, you are absolutely clean for the sake of this beautiful relationship he wants us to have with him. So justified and being made righteous are simile words which say, you know what? This is different. It comes from God. He reveals it. It's through faith. It's absolutely free. It's gloriously free. And listen, listen, never again will you have to try hard to keep in. It's over. The gates have been busted. The prison doors have been broken open. The calling has come. Do you want to come to a completely different route? Because this one simply trusts in the work of the cross and you get to be justified. You know, that's very nice. No, no, listen. It says this in Ephesians 1 verse 4. It says, for he chose us before the creation of the world. Listen, he chose us before the creation of the world. Sorry, James, you're just in my firing line. He chose us before the creation of the world, James. Why? So we could be holy and blameless in his sight. That's outrageous. Do you know my record? Do you know every thought I've ever had? I'm glad you don't. Thank God. Do you understand? I mean, the whole, listen, the power of shame to stop you gaining access to this treasure is amazing. Why? Because it's outrageous. God just says, well, in my view, sorry to kick you, in my view, you're clean. Come, let's go. What, what was that verse tonight? Running home. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah. I can't remember the words either. But anyways, it's like, it's like the declaration of this father is, from my perspective, you're clean. Yeah, but, yeah, but I am pretty mucky in places and I've uh, done this. and Oh, look, blameless now, I'm running home. There should be a yippee in the camp, shouldn't there? Like, well, that's quite nice. That's <laughs> just outrageous. I'm being invited into the king's family and I should have been dead in a you know, cell. Why? Because I have messed it more than any of you know about, frankly. But I'm daring to trust this outrageous blood that says, you want to come running home? Do you want to get rid of this horrible feeling of all the time trying to do a little account and seeing how I've done? Not very well. I'll have another shot this week. And God says, I'd like to take all the condemnation off you completely, forever, for good, so you live forgiven. So, so the little question that keeps coming to my own life as I look at these verses is, what clothes are you wearing? I mean, forgive me not talking about your fashion, but what clothes are you wearing in your walk? With, what, what, what do you wear? What do you wear? Because the Bible talks about clothes as a sign of identity. Not always, but quite a few references, like that one in um, Zechariah, where it says, take his filthy garments off. They don't belong to him. Well, filthy garments 
I wear them because I feel grubby in his presence. And I can't imagine how else I should feel because I'm so conscious of my grubbiness. And the Lord says, take those clothes off. They're not his. And he clothes Zechariah in that passage. It's beautiful and puts a turban on his head and says, this one's called to rule. So the wrong clothes which I've worn in my life make up my identity. And when God says, take them off, uh, do you remember the story of, um, do you remember the story, don't you? Just nod and it'll come to me quick, all right? Huh? No, but that's a good story, honey. Do you want to tell it? No. Gideon, no. Good stories, all of you know. I know, it's, yes. Yes, good story. I was thinking about <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was actually thinking about the prodigal son. I'm so sorry. So sorry. I was trying to get to the, okay, prodigal son. Okay, do you get it? All right, you go straight there with me. Luke 15. It's profound. But here's what struck me recently. Apart from the massive fatherly, sorry about this, embrace. Go on, go for it. That's it. There you go. Apart from the massive fatherly embrace, which is running home. Why? Because you're made for love. Apart from that, what is stunning is actually the next minute, the father says what? It says, quick. Quick. Get the best robe and put it on him. I want to just highlight it quickly before I finish. If you say before I finish, everybody takes heart. Listen, the quick, the quick, the quick. Why the quick? I mean, you can take your time. He's a grubby little monster. He needs a bit of a slap anyway. Let's just kind of like teach him a lesson, then we'll get him in. No, quick. Why? Because God never, ever, ever wants us to go on living in the wrong clothes when he's welcomed us home. It's quick. Get the best robe. Now, why? Because the Lord knew if he went on wearing his grubby clothes, he'd begin to keep the identity of his history declaring who he is rather than the Father's love declaring who he really is. So the quickness means the Lord always wants to say, well, let's get those clothes off because actually you have a robe of righteousness. I want to put on, and it's the best robe. The best. I mean, isn't God outrageous? I'd give him a few overalls and say, do better work in the garden, boy. You've been such a bad boy. The best robe. Yes, because that's how radically God wants to transform us from the identity we've gained from history to the identity he wants to stamp upon our hearts, which is justified, clean in my sight. Welcome home. I know this is outrageous. I know I've lived. I want to suggest to you, genuinely, in his sight, you're beautiful and flawless. I've got scripture for it, and if you pay me enough money, I'll give it to you at the end. You're beautiful and flawless in his sight. It's stunning, isn't it? Look at me. Why shouldn't the shame and the fear and the charges which keep banging on your head be absolutely dismissed? So here there's a company of men and women 
who've got their robes on and they're outrageously grateful, but they never try to work hard again to see if they can finally get there. Amen. Should we just stand a minute? I, I, I've got a thought in my head, which may be random, or maybe the Holy Spirit. I don't know yet. But if you could just stand for a minute, would you?